0: Dr. Fiona Lovely here of Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast, Making Hormones Make Sense. Super excited to be with you this week. I thought I would take a, a, a class I did a few years ago um, on that I had called Sex, Magic, and Menopause and condense it down to some of its most important points to share with you today. So our topic t- for today is Sexual Desire and Perimenopause and beyond. Um, This is also referred to as libido. You may have heard that term before. Anyways, a number of things that I want to discuss with you. First of all, certainly, is the hormone dance that happens, well, all the time for women, but certainly becomes even louder. It's more of an orchestra and dance when we get to perimenopause. So when we have too much estrogen, again, it comes back to that estrogen to progesterone ratio, needs to be in an appropriate ratio, and the best way to test that is via saliva testing. When our estrogen levels are high, it turns out our desire uh, lessens. When, it, but it's not so simple as just taking the estrogen dominance out, because it turns out that lowered levels of estrogen are what can cause us to become uh, dry and have uh, painful intercourse. So, but you know, you have to look at the at the hormones like a seesaw the symptoms of too much estrogen and the symptoms of not enough estrogen can often be the very same things, or the opposite, or with progesterone, or many of the other hormones as well. So it's not quite that simple. There's a lot of things to consider. Um, but, you know, when you look at the symptoms of Of perimenopause, you know, the hot flashes, the night sweats, the bitchiness, I'm sorry, irritability, uh, the mood swings, the insomnia, the sort of menopausal anger, you know, all of those things kind of, first of all, don't really make us feel sexy, but certainly really don't uh, encourage a healthy sex life when we're talking about uh, including another person. Uh, Anyways, the other thing that can happen with the hormones, of course, in perimenopause is uh, because we allow a stressful lifestyle... The hormones of the stress cascade, the adrenal glands, are constantly pumping out cortisol. And remember, we talked about how, if you're once you're in perimenopause, uh, you have either the opportunity, with the help of the adrenal glands, to use the mother hormone, pregnenolone, pregnenolone to make either cortisol or progesterone, but not both. So if you're constantly in a stress state, you're constantly having a stress response, which frankly is most of us, myself too, I'm just as addicted as anybody else uh, to the chaos and stress of life, Um, then you you can't have that balance uh, between estrogen and progesterone. Stress is not a very sexy thing, to be honest, but yet somehow we wear it as a badge of honor. And I hope that's changing because I got to tell you, that's been the conversation uh, trend in the office this week has been women asking me about self-care or completely ignoring their own self-care and being so unaware of it uh, or really looking for a way to reconnect to themselves. So there is a deeper conversation coming about self-care, in, uh, uh, hopefully in the, in the near future with the podcast. Okay, so um, what I want to tell you uh, also about hormones is that when your thyroid is uh, uh, out of whack uh, because the thyroid gland controls cellular function throughout the entire body through multiple levels of cellular function and metabolism when it's not working properly, either high or low, hypo or hyper. um, You can't really have a normal sex drive then either, and I really want to resist using the term normal around sex drive because it is literally different for every person, it is different for every couple, and it's a very much a negotiated uh, piece of a relationship. And in fact, I do want to say too that uh, libido or sex drive is not just a physical experience, it's very much an emotional and even spiritual Um, You have to get the the balance right there in order for you to feel like you want to share yourself with uh, another person. Um, If that's your expression of of healthy sexuality, let's put it that way. It may just be that you want to have a healthy sex life with yourself. That's fine, too. No judgment. Um, But in the case of uh, partner interaction... Anyways, um, so let's talk about pelvic floor health because for women this is a big deal. Um, Do you, as you are gaining more life experience, which is the way I choose to say aging at this point, Um, Do you find that you uh, wet yourself when you sneeze or laugh or cough or maybe you dribble a little bit when you're exercising uh, or even walking? First of all, this is a very, very common thing for women, um, especially if we've had babies, multiple babies, or we've had... You know, weight loss, weight gain, or hormonal changes, or hysterectomy, or and frankly, that's most of us. That list right there. So, anyways, um, it turns out that the pelvic floor health is a lot more involved uh, than just doing your Kegels. And what I mean by that is that the Kegels aim to strengthen those muscles, and that's fine. Uh, however, it turns out that stretching them because they spasm is often yields a better result. So the way you stretch your pelvic floor is you need to be able to uh, discern when you're using the muscles of urination. Okay? So the way that you do that... Uh, Uh, Safely and cleanly, let's say, is squat in the shower to pee. Um, Become aware of what muscles you're using to start the flow and stop the flow. And become aware of the sense of what you're relaxing while you urinate. Okay? Now, Once you're aware of that, then you can use that on dry land, if you will. Um, You can use that sensation to target those muscles, and you really want to target that stretching or relaxation of those muscles. turns out that this not only will increase the functionality of the pelvic floor, which means uh, tighter muscles uh, around the uh, urinary opening, the sphincters there, but also increases brain activation... And orgasmic strength, so like really, you, there's no reason not to, just good all the way around. So it turns out that the number one reason women end up in a care home uh, as, uh, uh, for the elderly is because of urinary incontinence. The number one reason, so it really behooves you to figure out uh, how you can uh, treat this for yourself, so that um, you don't become a burden to your family, and uh, really, really can control this. Okay, so next thing I want to talk about is the emotional connection with self. Um, when you have a deep emotional connection to yourself, your needs, your wants, your desires, you can have a better intimacy with a partner. And, you know, this is the, mo- the emotional connection for women is the most important factor uh, in regards to sexuality. And um, let me sort of piece that out for you a little bit. So have you ever had the experience of snapping at either uh, a partner, um, a friend, or uh, perhaps an unsuspecting stranger when you had PMS Sometimes you're not even aware that you have BMS until you have that moment of losing your shit on somebody else. <laughs> Anyways, so that's the dance of hormones. And with the dance of hormones comes a thinning of the veil, I like to call it, where we're given an opportunity to correct hidden inner conflicts. I like to think of it like we're a lot more tolerant of other people's bullshit or what shows up in our lives that is not a high priority for us, but we kind of shut up and put up the rest of the month. But as we get to that, you know, PMS-y time, um, that veil is thinned and, well, you just can't hold it in. You just got to let it out. Anyways, turns out perimenopause, this also happens. Uh, PMS, this happens. And postpartum is another time. And, I, you know, we can speculate whether or not postpartum depression has something to do with just that thinning of the veil and the sensitivity. That must come with that time. So those times, those hormonal... uh, where the dance and the orchestra of hormones is going so much louder than other times in our lives, this is the time we get called to resolve those issues. You see, it turns out that perimenopause prepares us for an amazing second act of our lives. But if we haven't resolved those issues... If we have relationships that are no longer serving us, If we have poor habits of eating and thinking, then all of that stuff creates a disconnect in our emotional world. And because sex is business of the mind, if the mind isn't settled, then how can you expect to have a decent sex life? It it really just makes sense in this time. But the good news is once you clean house emotionally, you can tap into that sacred space where you can relearn what satisfies you, what turns you on, um, what makes you feel desirable and desired. And, um, you know, it may not have anything to do with sex at all, but it may have everything to do with sex. So just keeping that, um, uh, you want to be plugged into your source energy, really. And we become very unplugged over years of taking care of others before ourselves, um, you know, years of building up resentments and other uh, unsatisfactory things in our lives. It really gives us a chance to 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 dive in and and clean house, clean house. So it isn't so much that we turn away from sex at perimenopause, but we're called to turn inward tuning into our deepest and most unexpressed needs. And I think if you don't take that time to process, to make that process, then you can look forward to quite an unsatisfactory uh, second act, if you will. Okay, so next point. We're addicted to chaos. We're drawn to situations which confirm and affirm our misery. What the hell is going on? We're literally drawn to the drama um, you know the the brain is a funny thing. It will go to places that that give you a burst of, of neurotransmitter release, and oftentimes those are things like addictions, uh, compulsions, um, drama, um, emotional situations, bad relationships, etc. So when you have the at that addiction to that chaos. Um, Instead of being plugged into our source energy, uh, we become bitter and hardened instead of juicy. And it's really easy for that to happen. You know, Mother Nature gives us a chance at perimenopause to deal with all the emotional shit we haven't dealt with beforehand. So what happens if we don't do that is we start living from the waist up or even the neck up which means that all of that anxiety and depression and anger and all of that unresolved crap is just coming up and coming out in every moment and ladies that is not sexy I have experienced it myself it's not <laughs> it's not a good time so just don't don't do it just just take care of your emotional baggage as it comes up And finally, just to wrap today, I wanted to give you a checklist of other things which might be at play. Because, you know, this issue of sex drive and libido is multifactorial, and it is a massive conversation, and there are tomes that can... um, uh, Take you into deeper into some of these subjects for sure, but you know there's some there's some biggies that uh, we are often loath to talk about. Here they are: mother, father, teacher, preacher. So what were you taught about sex? What were you taught that good girls do or good girls don't? And are you still operating from that uh, point of view even as an adult? Uh, is religion uh, playing a part? I understand that there's a guilt that comes with some religions that can certainly um, make you... It, it can add to the baggage of of uh, of sex drive at perimenopause, for sure, as can politics, right? Um, you know, there are some political issues that just uh, um, have a way of permeating a woman's body, even though... Our bodies are nobody's business but our own. Um, is that at play for you? And I think finally I want to say like innocent ignorance. And what I mean by that is nobody teaches women about our erotic anatomy. I mean, think about how many references to the penis there are, uh, even when you took sex ed in high school, or I think they teach it in elementary school now. Um But when I went to, uh, when I was that age, it was high school. Um, All kinds of references to the penis, but did I ever hear the word clitoris? I don't think so. Um, That's stuff I had to figure out for myself. And unfortunately, um, there's not great education about that. So we're left to figure out our erotic anatomy. Speaking of clitoris, it's no wonder that that our uh, male partners can't find the clitoris because oftentimes early on we can't find it either. Nobody teaches us where it is. And just as a final thought, the clitoris actually has uh, twice as many nerve endings as the penis. So it's just as important. If not more, anyways, I've loved having this conversation with you today. As always, we can continue this conversation anytime. Email me, Dr. Lovely, at drlovely.expert. You can find us on our Facebook page, Not Your Mother's Menopause: Making Hormones Make Sense podcast page on Facebook, and uh, my website, drlovely.expert. Thanks for being here. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.